Hello and welcome or welcome back to the Paddock Gal podcast. I'm your host Mimi coming to you live not only from another country but also from another continent which is also why if you hear background noises and people chatting in the back I'm away with my family and my siblings are going a little bit crazy in the other room so if you do hear noise that's why so I'm sorry about that but let's move on to talking about the Australian Grand Prix. Australia was really chaotic like there's no other way of putting it the race was truly unhinged with like eight DNFs and so many other incidents or incidents on the race too. So no matter who you support, you probably panicked at some point. Um, and it's that time again. It's time for a PSA to comfort your friends who support Ferrari. They got destroyed right at the beginning of this race and at the end. You had the DNF from the clerk, which at this point, it's not surprising. It's just disappointing. But honestly, I feel like at this point, a DNF for the clerk is just, it's almost like a guaranteed prediction. It's... It's it's such a shame too because like whenever he makes it far he's doing he's always doing so well usually I think that in this race this, this might be a controversial opinion but like at least he got out earlier like we didn't see like the promise of what could have been like he was just out immediately that's it over um, but then also you had Carlos Sainz penalty for a lap that didn't count which. I'd understand the outrage of him hitting Alonso if the lap had counted because then Alonso would have suffered dramatically but with the lap being erased it just felt unnecessary um that's also going to be this week's poll should Carlos Sainz have got that penalty and also he didn't just get the penalty he got a five second penalty and he got two points on his super license and I was, I've also been thinking okay I've remembered how if we look back to the season opener in Bahrain we kind of had a, not as a dramatic incident but we had a similar thing where when Alonso overtook Sainz it looked as though he might have hit him, and Sainz seemed fairly convinced that he'd been hit. Um, but I think like that was ruled that there was no problem. But I think with this race, with so many cars like bumping into each other just because of the chaos of the track, especially with all the restarts, um, Sainz being the only person who was penalised just felt unnecessary, especially as he was penalised for a lap that didn't even count. Whereas there were other incidents where people went off and it really impacted their race and there was no penalty because it was viewed as unavoidable. I feel like this was kind of a similar situation. Like he wasn't trying to shove Alonso off the track, or at least I don't think he was trying to shove Alonso off the track. But yeah, it was it was a chaotic race, especially especially at the beginning and well, actually not just at the beginning because we had all these restarts. But the beginning was really interesting because we had George Russell in taking over and holding first place for quite some time, which was really interesting to see because it was like a nice break from that Red Bull just leading the race over and over. But um, yeah, that was like George Russell was driving really promisingly. It looked like he was going to have um, a really lovely race. Then he pitted during the yellow flag, then the red flag put him at a disadvantage. But what I what I wouldn't have predicted was his car setting on fire. That was definitely unexpected and such a shame because I feel like even when he dropped back into like seventh, he still had a chance of doing. I think doing pretty well, and at least I think I think we could have seen a, a George Russell podium. Otherwise, perhaps it would have been Max, Lewis, and George rather than Max, Lewis, and Fernando Alonso, but. Yeah, that was an interesting, that was interesting to see and also disappointing. Another 
we had so many like really disappointing DNFs because we had the the two Alpines taking each other out, which was I just I it's I bet it was just chaotic in the Alpine garage after that race because both cars out like within not even within seconds of each other at the same time. And then what else did we have? We had so yeah, both the Williams didn't finish. Um, Alex Albon was had a he had a good time in qualifying. Was looking like he was going to have a good race, and then it was so early into the race too that he just hit the gravel and that was him out, and that was disappointing because he was he was doing really well, especially in that Williams, and then also Logan Sargent DNFing at the end. Those DNFs at the end, I think, were the most annoying because. Especially if teams already had one driver out, because then that was it. That was your second chance gone, um, like getting any points. Um, but then what else was interesting was, yeah, the two Alpines getting out at the same time. Um, yeah, there were just so many like DNFs in that final stretch that it just made for the most chaotic race. Like what, was it 12 drivers finished? out of 20 which is kind of crazy but um yeah red bull as usual dominated well they didn't they, they did pretty well like we didn't have a two a one a one two on the podium which was a nice change we had the most most teams we've seen on a podium this season which was nice to see um but yeah it was interesting to see lewis hamilton back on the podium um the Mercedes this week I don't know what happened especially after that letter to the fans that was like so serious and so dramatic all of a sudden to just have this car just like performing like as one of the best cars this weekend was a surprise I don't know if they were going for the element of surprise or what's happened since but yeah Mercedes were doing brilliantly this weekend um we had Alonso keeping that third place on the podium pretty consistent. Um, and then Lance Stroll in fourth. And I think, again, that shows you the Lance Stroll's ability as a driver. But also, it's interesting to see which cars were fairly close together because we had, in the like, out of the cars in the podium, we had Red Bull in first and we had Mercedes in second and both those teams were having issues with their cars so Red Bull in qualifying Perez was having issues I think with locking and then obviously with Mercedes uh, George Russell had his entrance set on fire so obviously we had um, it, it's just interesting to see because you know you have that whole thing about consistency with how close together the cars are and it was interesting to see a that two of the cars or two of the teams on the podium were having quite se- very serious reliability issues, actually, especially with um, the fire in Russell's car. But, um, yeah, it was interesting to see that two drivers from teams having quite severe issues were able to make it to the top. Obviously, they do have very strong cars, but they did have some serious problems. And then I think, yeah, it's a testament to the... Aston Martin's reliability I guess that we saw the two Aston Martins right next to each other in the standings this week um 
we have the first McLaren points, which I think tells you a few things. It tells you how chaotic this race was, but also I think it really shows us um, the the McLaren drivers both seemed more comfortable in the car this week and a lot happier. Um, I think um, just recently we've seen like with just on social on their own the social media specifically with, specifically with Lando Norris, he seems. He seemed really stressed at the beginning of the season and he seems a lot more relaxed now. I don't know if that's because they've got points now or maybe there's been some adjustments that have made him more confident in the car. But yeah, Mercedes and McLaren both have been much stronger this race. Um, But what will be really interesting to see, more in the case of McLaren, is if that high performance was because of all the other DNFs from other teams because Alpine have been performing pretty well. Um, So I think it'd be interesting to see if perhaps Leclerc and George Russell hadn't DNF'd and maybe also the Alpines had stayed in. Would the McLaren still be in the points? Because just with the Alpines, Leclerc and Russell, that's four drivers back in. And with Norris in sixth and Piastri in eighth, there's a chance that with those drivers in, they could have been knocked out of the points. So yeah, that's interesting to see. And I guess we'll see more as we go on. But it was definitely, I think there's a lot to take away from this race in terms of like predictions going forward and really understanding how well the cars are actually doing in the teams. But I guess we need, we still need like the next race to see like, was that just this race or have the cars actually improved or are the drivers more comfortable in their cars now? Because now we're a little bit further into the season. There is a sense that there's more settling into the cars and getting used to any adjustments and changes. Just to go back to my predictions from last week, um, I think I said we'd see like both Red Bulls on the podium and then Alonso in third, maybe like followed by Lance Stroll or George Russell. So I was right about one Red Bull on the podium and a and Alonso in third and Lance Stroll potentially in fourth. But what I didn't predict was Mercedes on the podium or obviously George Russell's um, DNF. So it was definitely it was definitely an event for us because I don't think anyone really could have predicted Australia. Um, if anyone did predict Australia let, correctly, let me know because honestly, you're probably a psychic, and I I honestly just I don't understand how anyone could have predicted any of this because it's probably the most chaotic race I've. It's definitely the most chaotic race I've seen in a while, um, and what was I going to say, just like even listening to the commentary, um, I think the commentators also, they, you could really hear the the chaos, because I was listening to um, Crofty and Jensen Button, and I'll talk a bit more about that later, but um, there was definitely a sense that there was like a lot of chaos, and the commentators were just having to quickly adapt to what was going on, um, but yeah, all the all the restarts and the red flags, definitely made for a long race I think what I'm trying to figure out how long it was I feel like it was it was at least like two solid hours I feel like it was wrong I'm getting that wrong I can never remember the timings of things but um yeah I was gonna say that also just on the subject of the Red Bull lead but also the Mercedes doing pretty well 
I think the lead this time over like the rest of the cars was eight seconds. So the Red Bull was eight seconds faster, which I think it's been, I think the fastest it was perhaps in Bahrain or I think it was in Bahrain where they had, they were just like miles ahead. But that does show us something about this Mercedes ability because it seems like the Mercedes are perhaps a little bit faster than, well, as we saw in the race, faster or a little bit, doing a little bit better than Aston Martin even now, which is definitely surprising and I definitely did not see coming. And will be really interesting to see how that plays out going forward. Um, but yeah, we've definitely got that smaller gap. The main thing is just that Red Bull DRS because that is what's giving them their lead and helping them to overtake. But yeah, um, just also on the subject of Mercedes, uh, it was interesting to hear Fernando Alonso say that he was trying to like push a mistake from, or force a mistake from Lewis Hamilton and like the, the entire time he was behind him and yet Hamilton managed to make no mistakes, was driving really well and held that second place for quite some time. Um, that was really interesting and really nice to hear because I think there's been a lot of talk, um, especially with at the moment where you've got George Russell sometimes outperforming Lewis Hamilton. There's been a lot of talk about whether Hamilton has gone used to having these like phenomenal cars and now post regulations is having to relearn how to work with those cars, struggle a bit more while George Russell is used to having a Williams or a car that is not as strong and so going into a Mercedes with issues is less of a problem for him but I think this really showed us that Hamilton has not lost any of his driving ability perhaps just took some time to adjust to the changes of the car but that he's definitely going to be perhaps a contender this season where is he in let's have a look at where he is in the standings overall I think he's currently in fourth so yeah he definitely is a contender for the championship I think as it currently stands and what we're currently seeing I think at this point my prediction for I know it's really early days but my prediction for the world champion would probably be Max Verstappen but it'll be interesting to see how that goes and I'm glad that we do have some chance of some potential for someone else to win with Perez not far behind Alonso getting on the podium consistently. Alonso's been on the podium as consistently as Verstappen has. So that's quite interesting to see. Um, and also we've got um, Hamilton not too far behind Alonso. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how how this goes. Um, but yeah, I think this Australia race has really changed what the standings it's really changed what the standings look like because a lot of people who had no points have now got, for example, if we look at like Lando Norris, Lando Norris went from having, I think it was no points to having eight points now. Um, Piastri went from having no points to having four points. So yeah, this was quite interesting. Lando Norris is now ahead of Charles Leclerc, just to put that into context. So yeah, Australia has really changed up the standings. So it'll be interesting how that affects the standings going on and with the future races but yeah okay so as I said I want to talk a bit about the commentary specifically about Crofty's commentary because there was just something I noticed this week that 
um, it wasn't great. So we're going to talk about that now. So as you know, David Croft is a legend in Formula One. He brings us into each race. He's the one who coined the phrase, it's lights out and away we go. He's very influential. So it was really disappointed this week to hear him talking about girls liking Alpine because of the pink car. Um, that's not an exact quote, but that's more of like a summary. It's just at a time where not only Formula One, but most sports in general, is starting to work towards being more inclusive for girls. It's really annoying to hear things like this. And it kind of feels like there's a lack of awareness, perhaps of the fact that we are trying to change that narrative. But um, he was commentating with Jensen Button, who kind of seemed a little bit like hesitant to say anything when he said that. And following that, Crofty did elaborate, specifying, I think, that his daughter likes Alpine because they're pink, um, which is a perfectly valid reason to like Alpine. But it was a bit of an annoying generalization to make because I think for girls in motorsports, we face a lot of stuff that we only like certain teams perhaps because we like the drivers or we only follow it because we watch perhaps Drive to Survive or like things like that so to say that we only like a car because it's pink is just really annoying and it's kind of more annoying or just disappointing to have it come from someone like Crofty who has so much um, influence and is such an iconic figure in the sport but it seemed like Talking about his daughter liking Alpine because it was pink made it seem like it wasn't like, it didn't feel like pointed. It just felt like a comment in passing. But then again, it is those comments in passing that when they're just so normalized, they just kind of go by unnoticed. And then you have this culture that we see at the moment where girls are quite excluded from the sport. But yeah, I don't think it was anything like intentional or um, try, like trying to put girls down at all, no. But um, I do I do just think it was a little bit annoying okay so we're going to finish with some off the track news just something that I saw that was really interesting and it was that video of Charles Leclerc chasing down the thieves who stole his watch because whoever stole that watch I wonder if they like I, I reckon they didn't think it was him um because imagine you see like one of the world's best drivers and go I'll steal the watch um still his watch but I guess there's also a sense that I mean they could have known it was him and just been like oh yeah we'll take this this will get us a lot of money but yeah he chased them down he it did not go above the speed limit and I'm pretty sure he was indicating as usual following every law of the road and I'm pretty sure he managed to did he manage to catch them I think he did manage to catch them but um yeah that was really interesting to see um a fun bit of off track entertainment um but yeah, completely random and not all that relevant. But you know what? He might not be having luck on the track, but his drive, like, we didn't really get to see his driving this weekend. So if you need your Charlotte Clark fix, I would say go find that video because it's all over the internet. And it was some pretty good driving, um, especially given the fact that he's literally following every rule of the road. So yeah, that was quite interesting to see. But yeah, that's... That's all for this week. Don't forget to vote in the poll about whether, if that's if you're listening on Spotify. If not, just comment on our most recent TikTok or Instagram. But um, yeah, whether Carlos Sainz should have gotten that penalty or not. Um, but that's all for this week. Thank you for listening. And with that, it's lights out and away I go.